The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network and TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. We are sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. Be on the lookout this Wednesday at midnight when we will be able to offer 30% off your entire purchase for Black Friday. We are in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. And you can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, CastBox, and all those other podcatchers out there. As always, I'm Carl Carafel. And I'm Big Joe. And welcome back, people, to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, where we have a plethora of stuff to talk about. Join us. Yeah, another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling, Carl. And um, as per usual, the world of professional wrestling gives us no shortage of things to talk about. Let's start off with probably the biggest piece of news happening since we last recorded. We are talking about Jim Cornette and the NWA and comments during the broadcast, which... I will not repeat on this program. Yeah, people, we're talking something that um, people took offense to. Now, I'm not defending anything here, Mm -hmm. but all I'm going to say is, really, people, we're going to complain about something like this. So the guy who is a heel commentator makes a heel statement, gets flack for it, now, granted, yes, it was it was kind of out there. And if you want to know what he said, go out there. You can find it. You can Google it. You can YouTube it. You can do anything that you want. I'm sure you'll be able to find it somehow, some way. We're not going to repeat what he said. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, is this seriously something that that we were we're downgrading ourselves to? Is complaining about something like this? I, I feel you know, on that to a certain extent. What I will say about that is that to come to his defense a little bit, he comes from the old school of professional wrestling. Having said that now, we are not in the old school anymore. We are in modern day where, you know, vested interests and bigger companies have interests in in what's going on here. And to say something like that, I think would have been pretty much just shrugged aside as as the norm maybe back in the 60s and the 70s and maybe the 80s but now given the modern day you know this is something that i think it it, it just it for me it just barely crosses that line of good taste and you're definitely right there it does kind of cross that line uh now again i'm not defending absolutely anything that was said because mm-hmm. definitely those those words aren't needed but I'm taking a look at this at at the, a standpoint of 
um, it's entertainment. Now, now, whether, you know, it's it's the NWA, whether it's Impact, whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's uh, All Elite, whether it's WWE, whether it's MLW, CZW, uh, Canadian Wrestling's Elite, it doesn't matter. It's all entertainment for us, from them, for the people. It's entertainment. It's just the same as if you were to go to a theater and sit down for two hours to watch a movie, and in that movie, let's say you're watching a South Park movie, mm. <laughs> you're going to get the exact same stuff. Are we going to have an uproar over that? Or are we just going to chalk it up to its entertainment? I th- think something to to take into account with this too is the person that we're dealing with, Mr. Jim Cornette. I mean, he is the target of criticism and what pretty much no matter where he goes and what he says, and he has a, a microscope on him at all times. Now, having said that too, with this broadcast that happened it happened on youtube this did not happen live people that this was recorded and put in the can probably weeks or possibly even month or, or more in the past production should have maybe caught on to this and and have been listening to this and go hmm could this possibly be taken the wrong way and have gotten rid of it whereas they just put it out and then they put it back you know they pulled it back and then cut it out and then put it back out again you know this is it potentially could be somewhat damaging to NWA just when they're starting to gain traction. That's my major concern. And I mean, with that, again, I totally understand. I I, I do. Now, you talk about, you know, it was out there, uh, you know, weeks before and production should have caught it and stuff like this. Um, how, how much are we going to scrutinize everything that's done, though? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't blame production on this at all, because that that's something that that even I would have overlooked. It would have been OK. That's Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette playing the heel Jim Cornette character. I totally get it. And that's that's where it falls for me. I mean, I can't blame production for that at all, because I don't think production um would have seen it as something that that is offensive. What we're looking at right now is all these other people out there that are now taking offense to it. And to save face, we're now having to backtrack and retract our statements and retract that audio and video. Um, and, and because of it, we we lost out on an entire matchup from that week. That the, the matchup happened between Nick Aldis and. Um, Oh, what is his name now? Dick Murdoch. Trevor, yeah, or Trevor Murdoch. Trevor yeah. Murdoch, yeah. Um, which I would have loved to have seen. That probably would have been a fantastic matchup between those two powerhouses. Yes, I'm going to say even Nick Aldis is a powerhouse. Those two are powerhouses inside of that ring. And I want to see that match. So hopefully... Maybe we can get that on the next episode of uh, NWA Power down the line somewhere. Um, maybe they'll shoot it, uh, you know, like at their next set of tapings and then kind of insert it in for this week or, or something along that lines. But, yeah, I mean, again, not defending what was said because it, it's hard. I found I, I, I found it I, – I find myself kind of – in a situation where I'm being um, influenced by uh, the majority populace, I guess you could say. Um, Did I really find it really offensive? Not really. Mm -hmm. But because the majority populace is now going, that was offensive. We're offended by this. We're all butthurt. Our knickers are all in a knot, blah, blah, blah. I'm 
kind of going, well, maybe maybe they're seeing something that I'm not, and maybe it was really that bad. Now, I don't know, Joe. Like, yeah. what do you think? Do you think it was it was really that bad, or or do you think that that maybe our mindset has now been changed because of of the majority and because of the um, backlash that's come from it? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of falling somewhere in the middle, kind of like you on this too, Carl. Where, where, where when I first heard it, I was like, okay, you know, with Jim Cornette, you, you get what you get. You know, that there's no pretending like, oh, we, well, this is was sh- so shocking. We didn't expect him. Dude, he says this kind of stuff all the time, especially in his own podcast and whatnot. So, so with this too, I mean, how many episodes of this do they do they have recorded too? And are there any other potential uh, things like that that this could happen? I don't know how many episodes that they have taped with this guy. So this might not be the end of the story too. That, that, that's another thing. For me, when I first, when I first heard it, 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 this is a hard thing to comment on because pretty much if I, if I go too far in either direction, somebody's going to get pissed off. <laughs> that's that's yeah kind of the catch with this whole thing. And it makes it a hard topic to talk about. But I mean, I, I guess I could kind of sum it all up with when, when you, you deal with somebody like Jim Cornette, you shouldn't be surprised by what you get. You, you could even honestly even take it a little step further when you're dealing with entertainment. Yeah. Why are you getting so butthurt? Everybody knows that professional mm-hmm. wrestling, and I'll use the word that everyone else uses, it's fake. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's a predetermined show. It is a television program. It is like a movie that you were going to see. Yeah. That is what it is. They're scripted. They know how things are going to go. They know how things are going to end. For the majority of, like, the WWE their promos are actually written out for them. They need to learn their promo for when they're in the ring or backstage. So that's, that's essentially what it is. It's, it's that entertainment and those same people that got offended by these comments that were made by Jim Cornette, you need to make an uprising then and start, you know, bashing South park and well. the Simpsons and, and <laughs> all these other Rick and Morty and all these other television shows that are going through. And yes, I, what I, what did I mention? They were cartoons. Yes. And you can almost attribute professional wrestling as like a cartoon almost. Right. Well, and it's, yeah. yeah, it just blows my mind. Like, are we in like, how has society gone from, Stuff like South Park and uh, even even stuff that they do on Saturday Night Live, people, to getting butt hurt over a comment that was made during a professional wrestling match. You made reference to one that, that I want to make reference to. I mean, and does that mean you do wrestling? But you did mention them, South Park. Okay, that this most recent episode of South Park. They're on season twenty three now. Believe it or not, folks, they've been going for a long time. This season. I mean, they've been, when you look at names of episodes, the first episode that they did was called Mexican Joker. Okay. They're basically talking about these kids going to these camps and then one of them could possibly end up becoming a Mexican Joker. Um, there was a lot of stuff with uh, with China and how these companies and all this stuff are kind of appeasing China and whatnot like that. So, I mean, this kind of stuff happened. It's almost, it almost you made a hint at it. It's almost like a double standard out there. Now, now we we find South park entertaining. And then when we see Jim Cornette, everybody loses their mind. Right. So 
Is there somewhere yeah. to land in the middle, or just oh, it, it's it, it's a tough thing. But it, it seems that some of these say people are probably finding South Park and this kind of stuff entertaining are then crapping all over this. So that's right, hey, and and, and and the reverse <laughs> of that too. The yeah. people that that are getting offended by this whole Jim Cornette thing are probably the uh, same teenagers that are in mommy's basement playing South Park's fractured but whole. Ah. Yes. Ah, ah, right. Yep. That, that is a very clever play on words. And, and even yes. the, the one previous, the stick of truth, there is, I'll, I'll make reference to it without saying too much. There is literally a, a level played inside a character's colon and then passed further to, to give you a bit, bit of a reference there. So <laughs> um, really, really over the top. So yeah, with, with this Jim Cornette thing, you know, he had to, he resigned, of course, uh, a lot of people were saying that he was fired, that he quit. Oh, there's been so much back and forth, so much uh, hate, and so much on the other side too. It just it, it, the internet has blown up about this thing, and like I said, this might not even be over yet because there are other episodes in the can, and who know, knows what else he's said. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. And if there's some more that that happens, we'll be talking about it for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and to go along a little further with that, I, I think that what's going to happen is that any episodes that were actually done with Jim Coronet, they're probably um, in the works right now of redoing all of those episodes. Um, whatever matches happened, they're going to be redoing them with new commentator and stuff like that um, because they've said, you know, Jim Coronet is no longer on the program. You will no longer see him, blah, 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 right? So if tough. we continue to see him for another three weeks down the road, people are going to be going so you just lied to us what's going on here so i think if they're smart anyways they're going to take those already in the can taped episodes and they're going to have to reshoot them um which is unfortunate especially for those workers that uh you know have really already been paid for it and now it's gonna probably be uh, hey you need to come back in and uh, we're not paying you for this but you got to come back in because of what you know, just happened. Um, that's only speculation. I don't know if that's exactly what, what, how it's happened or how it's gone down, but I do know that they have, uh, stated from NWA that Jim Cornette is done and you will no longer see him on NWA TV. What I think might be the less invasive way to go about it, especially if they already have them in the can, they just got to go through them with a fine tooth comb. And if you find anything that even slightly might offend somebody, just, just take it out of there until you run out of episodes that you have with them and then find some suitable replacement. I mean, there are lots of great people out there who are good at wrestling commentating that I'm sure looking for work or, uh, or would be happy to fill in. So we'll see yeah. what happens with this. And I think it can only get better. And I just hope that this whole thing hasn't damaged uh, what's happened there because they, they've had a really good product happen there and it would be a shame to see it all come to an end so quickly. You know, yes. They finally have a website, they have merchandise, they're, they're finally promoting things the right way. They, they're even, there's, it's growing. So it was, a new show coming, new show coming. And uh, it would just be a shame to, to have it all uh, end very abruptly. So hopefully things work out when it comes to that. Yes, I hope so too. Now, speaking of things that were offending people, there's more to this other story again. Uh, ACH, Jordan Miles, whatever you want to call him, he has been officially released by the WWE now. Uh, he even posted a thing saying, Vince, you know, I'm free of you. Screw you. I'm going to do my own thing now. He's already been booked for other shows. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Carl, but when this scenario kind of happens, does the typically does not the no-compete clause kind of kick in? Or do they just, you know, for the sake of this, just 
they, they just let him go just to not have any bad publicity over this thing anymore. Normally, yes, there is a no compete clause that's there. And usually it's about a 90 day uh, at minimum no compete clause that would happen. Uh, I think in this situation, you are correct. They just kind of uh, washed their hands of the entire situation and just said, okay, you're done. You're gone. Okay, see ya. Uh, We're not we're we're not holding you to anything, um, especially with the publicity that that it got. um, and, And don't call him by his slave name. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah. I don't care. You want to call him Jordan miles, call him Jordan miles. You want to call him ACH super ACH, whatever you want to call him, call yeah. him whatever. I don't care. Um, the whole thing, I think, uh, you know, just kind of really blew out of proportion, uh, more than it should have. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, he definitely has been, um, released and and he is gone and he is working um, new shows. Uh, he's working actually. Uh, he makes his return or he made a return to uh, heavy metal wrestling uh, a little while ago, uh, a couple days ago in Texas. So he's out there and he's working. And um, I don't know if he's uh, spewing anything still from uh, his time with the WWE or if he's just going to let that go now. I don't know what's really happening. Uh, but I do know that he is uh, very active on the social medias and especially on Twitter talking about trying to help other guys, other uh, African-American gentlemen within the company get out. Um, And I just want to touch on briefly an interesting note that uh, Triple H um, has actually kind of voiced his opinion on the entire matter and has pretty much gone out there and said, listen, if you're unhappy with something, you need to come to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to find it here. Um, yeah, I don't have it right now. But essentially, that's that's what he said. He came out and he, and he pretty much says, listen, if you've got an issue, if you have a problem, come to us. Come and talk to us. Don't go out there on social media and just start spewing whatever because it's not needed. You You want to get something resolved? Come to us. We're a professional company who will treat you like a professional as long as you are professional with us. So that kind of brings in a whole nother thing too now, right? Because you, you've now got other guys that are going out there saying, oh, well, you know, we can't do that. And that's hard to do and, you know, stuff like this. So, I mean, that's, that's totally another topic for another time. But I did want to mention that Triple H has actually gone out there and said, listen, this is bull crap. Don't go out there and do this because not only are you hurting the company that's been paying you, uh, you're also going to hurt yourself in the end as well. Come to us. That's it. So uh, I think uh, that that was the best approach for Triple H to go to and just say, listen, we're here for you. Come and talk to us. Mm-hmm. It looks like his first match outside of WWE, if I'm not mistaken, from the poster I saw, I believe uh, his opponent's name was, I think it was Chandler Hopkins or something like that. And then he's, like you said, it was down in Texas somewhere. So nice to see him getting booked somewhere. Will some of the bigger promotions outside of the WWE book him? That remains to be seen. I, th- I think that there's probably still some some potential damage done there. Um, that maybe they don't want to hire somebody who they feel is going to be whining and complaining all the time. And, you know, when it comes to WWE, or a lot of these African-American talents, are they going to be scared off by this whole thing? Because, I mean, there's been so much publicity around this and just the, this whole thing of WWE treats people of ethnicity like garbage. 
Yeah, that seems to be the, the message that's out there. I mean, when you, you look at what they did this weekend, you could argue against that. Uh, Keith Lee, uh, the, the big kind of, we'll, we'll get to that later in the episode, but the big kind of standout for for the weekend did it very, very well. And apparently his main roster bound very, very soon. So yep. could that be them just trying to correct this? Sure, it could be that a little bit of that too. But yeah, it was just kind of a bad thing all around. And I, I think that... It does do some damage to both sides. I think it damages WWE a little bit as well. And then ACH, uh, he might have a little bit of a hard time getting, of getting booked in some places of notoriety because of all this too. So Yes. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that any large promotion is really going to look at him as a uh, viable person for their company anymore. Uh, it's going to be a lot of independent work around. And uh, I, I personally... Um, would not bring him in only because, and the way that I'm seeing it right now is that these other promotions are going, Hey, there's so much controversy around this guy right now. We need to bring him in because he's going to pull in numbers for us, which is totally the wrong reason to do something like that. And I think that that's how a lot of these promotions that bring in ACH after this whole debacle are going to be looked at. I know that I'm looking at them that way. And that's coming from somebody who has been in the business for several years. Um, Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what actually happens with his career going forward. Uh, Going from that to some other negativity and shenanigans going on with wrestling companies, Ring of Honor. Uh, This is something that's been kind of building as of late. This company... I don't know how I could word this any other way. Uh, just it feels like such a fall from grace for this uh, company since Cody and the Elite have left. It just it feels like we've just gone on this nosedive, and it's getting to the point now where you had shared this with me that where the company is essentially calling out their own talent on stuff like this. This is bad. Um, I won't say that, that 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 they're on the verge of you know being done as a company, but I mean, ooh, there's some damage being caused here. And, and and you look on social media when basically people are just saying f this company I'm not watching them ever again. I'm I don't want to say that I'm at that point yet. Um, I mean I still enjoy watching Ring of Honor. Um, do I wish that they actually had more matches going on? Yes. Um, honestly, I'm getting tired of seeing all of these, you know, like flashbacks to, you know, other matches and stuff and having three, uh, three flashback matches going on and then only one current match on, on their program. Um, it's disheartening at, at the least to, uh, to really see that, um, so just just to kind of go along with the uh, with the entire thing that that, that Joe had talked about here with uh, uh, Ring of Honor and really blaming the talent for this, um, this is something that that was uh, shared out there online. Um, Joey Mercury, uh, who who is is in uh, Ring of Honor and part of Ring of Honor. Um, he put a Twitter post out there and it says, sorry, other phones. I don't, I don't get that, but sorry, other phones. I have to also tell you what Greg gums thinks of at flip Gordon too. So I don't know who Greg gums is, uh, obviously <laughs> somebody within ring of honor. Um, but this person had actually sent uh, messages to, um, Joey Mercury and, uh, 
I'm, I'm going to read them out here for you all just so that you get an idea of what's actually happening and going on. Yep. Uh, so the first was, was a photo of a ring of honor wrestling show happening. Um, it says June 28th. So this is a, this is a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, a photo of it. It says effing embarrassing. Why are we running such big venues that we can't fill? And then, um, well, is that the talent's fault? <laughs> But but the next message from, from from this Greg person says that's from Flip. So flip the question, why can't we fill them? Ask Flip why he can't draw. Well, we can go back to the 500 person buildings, but I don't need to pay talent big salaries or overproduce that. And even without the scaling we can ask fans to move to one side. Difference is SmackDown still has 2000 K fans, which you can do that with when there's 700 people. It is tough to be honest. This crap is just months of negative to add on to everything else. And then uh, the next message here says, uh, it would seem to me that if, if the talent and production were in, investments and we put them in smaller packed houses at least it would look good and save money on big venues if you let flip disagree with all codes of honor and young bucks and young buck his way up the card he very well could draw flip as a talent not a promoter who is the promoter months of negative to come what am i missing and then it says flip code of honor guy doesn't want to be here why hold him back what good is a talent wow. if they don't sell? Running smaller venues would make us won't make us bigger or better. And then uh, that is the big picture, or that is big the next set. And that is big picture thinking. Like when I suggested four different times, Marty up at the garden, meaning um, Marty taking the belt. Uh, the reason was we always strap the guy and then they leave. It's not a valid, logical, nor lucrative reason. Hmm. Um, and then the next set says, we all knew Matt Taven would stay, but we couldn't get him over. You know, and it just kind of keeps on going with all of this. And I'm not going to read the rest, but it keeps yeah. on going with all of this, um, you know, negativity. And then they even bring in Enzo Amore and, and, and Big Cass into this. And, yeah. you know, like different stuff like that. It's just... It's a mess. It's easy. It, it just seems like a huge amount of dissension going on right now inside of um, inside of the uh, the Ring of Honor. And it's it's honestly very sad to see, especially considering they have some amazing talent there. And, and hopefully things can turn around. Um, Joe, what do you think it's going to take to turn Ring of Honor around? And, and just back briefly on this, and, and all the stuff happening on social media, this is an example of how this stuff can really have a negative effect on your product. You know, all these interactions and this bickering back and forth is happening for everybody to see. Uh, the, I mean, it, this stuff is going on. It should be happening behind the scenes and not for the whole entire world to see. Just the fact that we're seeing all this is just making it that much worse. You know, we have this stuff happening with Kelly Klein. Um, and it sounds like that was a little bit of her doing too there, but I mean, she, you can only piss off a person so much before, you know, they, they start to crack a little bit and hopefully she lands somewhere good, maybe wow, or something like that. She could do very well there. Um, you know, flip Gordon, I, I foresee a big, 
talent dump happening out of this company. Flipgord and Marty, uh, I, I could see Taven going somewhere else now too. And pretty soon we're going to be left with maybe just Jay Lethal and, you know, we're going to have to start all the way from scratch again. Oh, it just, uh, it, it's, it's such a, well, it's such a bad scenario happening there. And, and I feel for everybody there, but just th- this, all this dirty laundry is being aired out for everybody to see. And I don't like that. And it's just, it's bad. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Yeah, it is. You know, the, the, there isn't really a whole much to, else to say about it. I mean, and, and this kind of thing could very well happen with WWE too, because they do so much of this interaction on social media, you know, with each other. Back, you know, we've seen this, the thing with Corey Graves and uh, and Moro Ronaldo. Moro, uh, Corey Graves busted Moro's balls again. You know, this kind of stuff doesn't have to happen on social media. You know, work into a storyline, or, or if there's a beef, you know, handle it behind the scenes, not for everybody to see. Especially when you're trying to run a storyline and trying to uh, do something greater here. This kind of stuff just torpedoes all that. Yep, it definitely does. Oh, it, it, it's so painful to watch it all unfold because it's so unnecessary. <laughs> you know, oh man, just it kills me to see this kind of crap, and it's yeah. got to come to an end. I mean, you can't keep these guys off of social media. I mean, anybody of any significance, you know, they want to keep track with people that they know and they want to interact with their fans. I get that, but when this starts creeping over into the actual business. That's where you got to say, okay, you know, we need to control this somehow. How can we do that? I would, I, I really don't know at this point. But um, well, I guess we'll... Tell, tell me, how would you, how would you? Okay, let's say that you um, are a business owner, okay, yeah. and then you start seeing these posts come out negatively towards your business. What are you going to be doing? There's got to be some kind of disciplinary action there, whether it, it, it's a cut from. Uh, your take of, uh, at the show, because I know with Ring of Honor, it's still kind of, you know, they make money off of merch and not everybody's getting on the same pay scale whatnot. There's got to be some kind of repercussions for that kind of stuff, you know, to correct those actions. Otherwise, it just goes unchecked. That's right. And, and I'm, I'm talking outside of professional wrestling world. Yeah. You go to same you thing. go to Wendy's, you go to McDonald's, you go to uh, Future Shop, you go to Best Buy, you go to... Um, you know, Walmart, you do, you know, any of these places, any, any restaurant that's out there, any, any, any form of employment that's out there, you go out onto social media and start bashing the employer that you have or the company that you're working for. Normally, that's immediate disciplinary actions of removal from work. Yeah. Which means you're out on the unemployment line. Looking for another job. You are fired. Okay? Now, it might seem like an extreme, but each company has a standard that they have to uphold. I can tell you that even in the business that I'm in, everybody knows by now that I'm in the security industry. I am management within the company that I am working with. We have had to let go of people because of this type of negativity. It looks bad on the company when somebody is out there bashing things that they, again, we come back to this whole Triple H thing, that they could have come to us and Mm -hmm. talked to us about it. And I think, honestly, the same stuff needs to be happening here. If Corey Graves wants to continue his onslaught of negativity towards another talent, okay, what do we call that? 
Yeah, that's called bullying. That's uh, that's, that's harass. Right. That's harassment. Um, that's uh, right. For another term, yeah. So now, any other company, they have harassment policies, and I'm sure that the WWE and any other wrestling promotion out there has harassment and bullying policies in their business. So why is this not being taken care of? Yeah, and and like I said, you know, with, with this stuff, it's it's affecting you know when it comes to the the wrestling context, it's affecting you know the storylines and the characters and whatnot. And you know, in, in your line of work in the security business, we, we can't be posting about what stuff that's going on or, or any um, clients or anything like that on social media too. So you know, and then that kind of stuff when that stuff happens, corrective action needs to be taken because then if you don't. It, it, you have nobody to blame but yourself. You know, in this case with Ring of Honor, with all this all this crap going on, they have nobody to blame but themselves. They can't point the finger at anybody else. That's right. Whew. There's a lot to, to kind of digest there. And I want Ring of Honor to still succeed because all of these companies, you know, we need to. It's always been a big talent pool for the WWE as well. So hopefully they can get their act together. But this is a big, big step backwards for them. And uh, hopefully they can... Let them maybe just clean house there and then start right from scratch. Maybe that's what we got to do. Maybe. <laughs> so going from that to mostly some positive stuff here. Let's. There's been a a lot going on with WWE this weekend. Let's start off, Carl, by talking about War Games. Okay. This was an interesting show. I did not get a chance to watch the pre-show match. Did you get a chance to to catch this one? I did not catch the pre-show match. Okay. So, you know, we won't even uh, talk about then. Uh, the only thing is uh, Garza ended up beating uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Um, yeah, it was a, a very quick singles match. It went about seven minutes or so, uh, just kind of a warm-up match. Then they kicked off the show. Uh, I thought this was a little surprising that they went this route. They started with the women's war game matches, the first time that this has happened. We had Team Ripley, which was Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Tegan Knox, and Dakota Kai. Uh, versus Team Baszler, which was Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray. This one was a really mixed bag for me. There was a, there was a lot of good uh, stuff in this match, but there was some stuff that left me kind of scratching my head. Uh, the Dakota Kai Tegan Knox thing that I thought that was very strange the way that they went about that. But uh, overall, I mean, it was, it was a lengthy match. We're just shy of 30 minutes on that. Uh, they did quite a bit here. For the women, I think that maybe they did a little too much. There were some very risky spots. Uh, Shirai off the top of the cage. Like I said, great match, but I think that they went a little overboard. That's just my personal take. Well, I'm all about the females in the professional wrestling business. I will advocate for them at every opportunity that I can. Uh, I I loved this match. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't think that they went too over the top with anything that they did. Um, honestly, sometimes these women can do better big spots than these men can. And okay. to see some some different stuff coming out of instead of just the the very safe type of female quote-unquote matchup that happens um and, and especially from what what people see and perceive as oh you know it's a, it's the women's match it's it's very they're very fragile and stuff like this get that out of your head people these are athletes just like any other athlete in in the the world of professional sports they can go toe-to-toe 
just like the men can. And, and to see the caliber that they put into it, I was very happy with it. Yeah, like I said, overall, uh, good for, for me as well. Going from that to the next next matchup here, this was really interesting for, for me. I really enjoyed this one. Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest versus Killian Dane. Uh, you have a real mixed bag of styles and personas here. I mean, you have uh, Pete Dunne, the the smaller, they call him the bruiser weight. You know, he can kind of move uh, quite a bit. So you, but then you have two big guys in Killian Dane and Damian Priest who can also move like people that are much smaller than them. So it was a very interesting dynamic and some spots that you would typically not see out of big guys, which is uh, something I really enjoyed with this. Great back and forth. This was to determine the new number one contender who actually faced Adam Cole at Survivor Series. P. Dunn ended up getting the win over two guys who were significantly bigger than him. This was an interesting matchup. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I did too, and I I think you're going to hear that a lot on uh, on this card here that uh, we really enjoyed what was going on and what was happening with these matches. And again, um, not only do I advocate for the women, but I advocate for the big men too. Uh, I've always been a fan of the big men in inside of that professional wrestling ring, and especially the ones that can move. And uh, time and time again, within the professional wrestling world, we're seeing these big men that can really get up there and move. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to use the, the, the original name for it because I'm, I'm getting kind of sick and tired of hearing this other name, but suicide dives. Yes. Okay. Suicide dives. Um, the other name for it, for those of you who aren't really, uh, you know, huge into it, a, uh, uh, tope suicina. Like, uh, okay, we get it. It's, it's Spanish. It's, it's, yeah, it means suicide dive. Uh, why are we not just calling it suicide dive? Please, let's just call it suicide dive. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. That's a, that's a total other rant oh, yeah. for another day. We're not going to go into that this time. Exactly but to see these big guys getting up onto the top rope and 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 doing you know flips and and these guys going through the ropes and or over top of the ropes and doing suicide dives and all of this stuff happening, like it blows my mind at the the uh, athleticism of these big men and uh, to kind of see Pete Dunne go over on these two big guys just again solidifies how good of a talent Pete Dunne is. Uh, especially coming up through the ranks, and he's a young kid still. Uh, so we're going to start to see uh, and continue to see good stuff coming from Pete Dunn and Damian Priest um, and Killian Dane. So I'm very happy with everyone that was in this match and just all around good. Before we go to the next match, just to briefly reference, we were talking about, uh, in case you're wondering what Carl was hinting at, with the Tope Suicida. Um, this is referencing Mr. Excalibur on commentary at AEW. I think that you could likely have some type of drinking game surrounding this scenario because this guy says this so often that that whole term kind of has lost its meaning. Uh, I, I get it, you know, drop it maybe twice, maybe three times in the span of a show, but it's like all the time, all the time. And these guys are just... It's, it's like he has like a quota of the number of times he has to say this line. And, and I will be honest, I, I love Excalibur on commentary, but that's the only hitch when it comes to that with him. That's all I'll say. And unfortunately, it seems to have reached other promotions as well because yeah. that's all I'm hearing when somebody does a suicide dive every single time now. Yeah. I get it. It's cool to say. It's cool to hear. Tope suicina. I get it. But I mean, put the emphasis emphasis into suicide dive. Yes, yeah. Right. I like, like that you can too. do the same thing 
call it what it is. Don't you, do you need to speak it in a different language? You don't need to. No, don't need to. Yeah, I think okay. Conf- I'm I'm done with that for now. <laughs> <laughs> going on that uh, from uh, going from that story to another really good match on this. Uh, I mean, the rest of the show is, is, was really great. Uh, Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle. What I like about this is this is back to Finn Balor getting to do Finn Balor things. And he's even said that uh, you know when he was on the main roster, he felt really out of place, like he didn't really get to be himself. We're seeing that back again. A great match with Matt Riddle. Went just shy of 15 minutes. A great back and forth with these guys. Matt Riddle is the rare... Ex- for those who have listened to us a while, for a long time, you know that I am not necessarily a fan of the MMA people coming into wrestling. Matt Riddle is the exception for me. I'm one of the original bromos. Uh, thanks to our Rick Vickery has kind of coined that for me there. I'm always a fan of this guy's work. And these guys had a great back and forth match. This uh, is a contender for match of the week for me. As much as you love Matt Riddle, I am still on the other side of the fence for this. <laughs> yeah. um, this entire character and everything, I'm just, I'm not into it. I'm not digging it. I'm not, you know, loving it. I'm not liking it. I'm not hating it, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm just not a fan of it. Can the guy work? Definitely he can. He can work in that ring, which is awesome to see, yeah. but... I don't know. I'm just not over with Matt Riddle yet. I gotta say, when he when he does his thing of getting to the ring and kicking the flip flops, he did them so aggressively for uh, this one. I have no idea where they ended up, uh, like far into I the hate it. far into the crowd. So, uh, but yeah, but besides the the character and the the entrance stick, there a great physical match between the two guys. I uh, can't take anything away from them on that one. Finn Balor getting uh, the win over that, which is a little bit of a surprise there. Yeah, definitely a good matchup. <laughs> now, going from that to the main event for this whole thing here, the men's war games match. This one was uh, just shy of 40 minutes here, Carl. This was a lengthy match. We had Team Ciampa, which was Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Donovan Dijakovic, Roderick Strong, and a mystery uh, partner versus the Undisputed Era, which is Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. These guys pretty much did everything that you could possibly do in this style of match. And when it came down to finally... Who was going to be that mystery person? I love the way that they executed that. It went kind of silent, and then they dropped it, and it was Kevin Owens. And the crowd there absolutely lost their collective minds. This was a pretty cool moment. It definitely was, and it was almost foreseeable. Um, considering almost. how Triple H had gone to Kevin Owens and had said, you know, like, hey, you got a home on NXT and, you know, kind of how things played about. It, it, it was it was good. You almost knew that it was going to be Kevin Owens, but then you're kind of in the back of your head going, no, we can't see that. We can't see Kevin Owens going back to NXT. That just doesn't make sense and, and stuff like that. But definitely it totally worked. I was very happy with, with that uh, mystery um, person and – yeah, so I mean, we we saw Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic in the ring, as well as the Undisputed Era, um, the full Undisputed Era, yep. Cole, Fish, O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong, and they all just kind of stopped <laughs> everything that was they were doing inside of the ring. When that timer came, they just stopped, and they just stood there and waited. 
And then it was almost like a look of disbelief and shock on their faces. It was sold so well. I was very happy with it. The crowd went wild. The roof blew off the place. It was phenomenal to see. So happy. Kevin Owens joining Team Ciampa. Man, this was just... It went shy of 40 minutes, like Vic Joe says. It felt like it was 15 minutes and done. (laughs) Like, there was just so much action, so much going on in this match that you... If you blinked, it was like, wait, I have to rewind that. What happened? Um, Things were just so well done in this match. I was very, very happy with it. For me, the the, the Kevin Owens thing had a lot more impact because I didn't get to see a lot of the uh, things leading up to it. So the surprise was a bit more prevalent for me, let's just put it that way, because I had been kind of behind on the programming a little bit, so it was a very cool surprise. Now, this match here wasn't without its kind of, I guess you could possibly call it controversy, because the very, very last uh, spot for the match, which ended the match, was Tommaso Ciampa putting Adam Cole through two tables, and then the camera panning over to Britt Baker in the crowd, and... It's actually almost kind of gotten to the point here, Carl, where this little literally two-second camera spot got more attention than the, the, the whole card did. Now, uh, Triple H even kind of responded to this, and he was almost kind of concerned, you know, that uh, he, he said that you know, this wasn't really done on purpose. I mean, he, was, he wanted to make sure that this wasn't going to cause her any uh, negativity with AEW. So it, it, was, it was handled, uh, I think, in a, in a good way, and I... I don't know what's going to happen on the AEW side if they're going to uh, have anything negative to say about this. I, I don't think that you really can because it, it, it's a tough thing because I know that they're competing against each other, but I think if AEW ends up making a big deal of it, uh, this, it could really backfire on them. Definitely, I agree with that. And I'm glad that you brought this up because I actually have this all queued up and ready right now. Um, I had it even before we started uh, recording the show. So Triple H's response to this. First off, he says that it was a production issue. Somebody in production who is unaware of who Britt Baker is just saw somebody looking distraught in the crowd and panned to them Mm -hmm. and had the shot of this person. Now... Okay, I kind of understand that. I get that because not everybody in production is really up on who everybody is. They're just a production company for the most part. But Triple H's response here, he says, I don't have a problem with it in any way, shape or form, but I would never want to put talent in that position. I get why she's here. I get who she's here with and I would never want to put her in a position where I took a shot of her and it gets her heat. Triple H said, or... It gets her a problem with her employers and what she's doing. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be a problem for her, and it could very easily could be. He also went on to reference another time that uh, it happened to Britt by accident, noting that she was sitting near Stephanie McMahon during another show, and they ended up with her in a shot. He also said that he's happy for Britt and what she's doing, and that said that she's killing it where she is right now. So... Triple H going out there being the consummate professional that he can be, um, showing us that, hey, 
We understand that she's working for another company. We understand that, you know, she is, uh, you know, involved in a relationship with one of our superstars. And we're not going to let that become a huge factor. So glad that he kind of put that out there just to kind of kibosh everything and be like, hey, people. Yeah, we know. Okay, it happened. So so what? Okay. Yeah. And let's leave it at that. Right. And I, th- I think if anything negative word happened with AEW, which I, I honestly I think is uh, highly unlikely, but if say if something did, I mean she would be welcome into WWE with open arms at this point. You know, given that Cole's working there, and she probably knows quite a few people there, so because they they do live close to the area where this is, uh, you know, the weekly show is is done and whatnot. So yeah, I mean either way, I think she would still be in a good position there. But hopefully, there's no negative uh, stuff to come from AEW because then they'll just make them look petty with this right. back and forth stuff that's been going on. So hopefully that does that's not the case. I hope not. So going from that, Carl, to Survivor Series the following uh, evening, which is actually last night because uh, we're recording on Monday here. This was... I, I'm really torn over this show because uh, there, there was a lot of good here and there was a lot of stuff that I just felt was kind of, well, maybe not so great, but we'll start off here. Again, I didn't watch any of the pre-show stuff on this. Apparently there were three pre-show matches that happened here yes um i didn't get it did you want to talk about these because did you see them at all um let's not talk about them don't need to go into it they're just pre-show matches they're just regular pre-show matches um i mean we'll kind of go through just quickly uh dolph ziggler robert rude uh smackdown uh won by eliminating street profits um and um uh by eliminating street profits uh Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford from Raw. Um, this was a, and I'm not, don't, not even going to go into it, but it was just a ten-team, uh, interbranded tag team battle royal that happened. It went all of eight minutes and twenty seconds. Yeah, that was it. Um, Leo Rush of NXT uh, defeated Akira Tozawa and Kalisto. Uh, Leo Rush from NXT, Akira Tozawa from Raw, Kalisto from SmackDown, interbrand triple threat match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, Leo Rush keeping the belt. Now then we had, uh, and that was 8 minutes, 20 seconds as well. And then in 14 minutes, 35 seconds, uh, Champions triple threat tag team match. We had the Viking Raiders, uh, Raw, uh, defeating the New Day, uh, uh, Big E and Kofi Kingston. And SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Undisputed, um, or no, they, they're they the SmackDown, and then the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly of NXT. So that was your pre-show. Um, not bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, good way to get the crowd hyped, especially with that uh, triple threat tag team match happening there. Good stuff coming out of that. Again, Viking Raiders going over. Um, you know, another couple of big guys who were going out there and doing not really flippy stuff, but doing, you know, some, some more high flying stuff. So mm-hmm. all in all, good match all around, uh, from all of it, it, I mean, really nothing too, too bad coming out of it all. I do have to mention though, our friend Carrie Morris from color and elbow brand was in the crowd and he actually got a souvenir to take home with him from Street Profits, he actually got a Street Profits headband that was thrown to him that he actually wore during the show. So very cool little thing for uh, for Carrie there. Um, yeah, so 
that was pre-show. Let's move to the main card, Joe. Yeah, they kicked off uh, very similar to TakeOver. They kicked off with the, the big women's match, which, again, I, th- I thought was a little surprising, but, but I do get it. It was uh, Team NXT. Uh, versus, so it was uh, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, and Tony Storm versus Team Raw, which was Charlotte Flair, Natalia, Asuka, Kairi Sane, and Sarah Logan. And then Team SmackDown, Sasha Banks, Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Nikki Cross. Now, this went about 28 minutes here. There was some good stuff in here, but there was also, I thought, some really kind of odd psychology happening in this match. Like we had uh, Candice LeRae and Io Shirai on the same team on this. They were actually on opposing teams on TakeOver, and it was just kind of like they didn't have this beef anymore. Like it just, it was a little strange to see that dynamic just kind of flip flopped. Um, and it felt like we, we did a whole bunch of stuff for, I will say, the first 20 minutes of this match. And then they realized, hey, we've got too many people in the ring here. Then the elimination started happening very quickly. Um, that, I thought, was a little strange. It's like a, we, we filled a bunch of time, and it's almost kind of like they lost track of time in this match uh, when it yes. came to that. Did you get that feeling at all? Yeah, I definitely I did. Yeah. yeah. Now, not to take away from them at all, because everything that they were doing was great inside yeah. that ring. But, uh, yeah, come the, um, the elimination time, Definitely, it felt very quick. Yeah. So, Team NXT ended up uh, getting the winner. That was a little bit of a, a surprise there. And, well, you know, that's actually probably almost kind of the theme uh, for a good portion of uh, this show. NXT over strong with a lot of this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. If you guys have not seen uh, Survivor Series yet, uh, keep track as we go along mm-hmm. uh, on your own. Keep track. And at the end of it, we'll let you know what the numbers were, who came out on top, and who had the best win, the middle, and the losers mm-hmm. for Survivor Series this year. Yeah. Next up, we had the NXT North American champion, Roderick Strong, versus the current United States champion, AJ Styles, versus the current intercontinental champion, Shinsuke Nakamura. Basically... This is a, a bit of an odd one because I didn't think that it was anything out of this world, but it wasn't bad either. It was just kind of in the middle. It was pretty much what you would expect from these three guys. Uh, they got all their stuff in, and it was a match. Um, it, it's not something that I'll be fondly remembering. You know, come two months from now, I'll probably end up forgetting about it. It's not anything that's going to stand out. It's It was a mid-card triple threat match. Yeah, you, you hit it right there. It was a mid-card triple threat match. That's uh, that's really all that it seemed to be. Uh, good stuff coming from all of them, don't get yeah. us wrong, but it just it just was that. It was just a, felt like another match. Yeah, it felt like an afterthought with everything else kind of going on, including this. Adam Cole, the current NXT champion versus Pete Dunne. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this match, uh, just over 14 minutes on this one. I, I love the style of both of these guys, so it was, it was fun to watch. I was... Almost kind of hoping that uh, Dunn was going to get the win, but uh, Adam Cole, baby, still champion. That's right. And honestly, I'm okay with that. I'm very yeah. happy with uh, with the way that this came out. Um, they both had a, had a great match, 14 minutes, 10-second match. Uh, that's that's quite a bit of time to be in that ring, given her like, they, like these two were. Mm-hmm. So anytime that we have Adam Cole in the ring, we know we're going to have a good match. Anytime we have Pete Dunn in the ring, we know we're going to have a good match. Good stuff coming from both of them. And it really showed and just shone. Mm-hmm. And like we had mentioned that triple threat match, kind of a, uh, you know, kind of lost in the shuffle. This next one was also 
that case as well, which is kind of sad given that this was for the WWE Universal Championship. We had The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan, Carl. And again, we're doing this red light thing. <sighs> Ten-minute match. This, again, didn't do much for me. I, I watch on a very high-resolution TV, and I had a hard time following the action. It just uh, it, the, the, This red light thing just takes me right out of it. I get what, what I think that they're trying to do, but it's just not working for me. Me either. It definitely is not working for me. It just, it totally takes away from everything in, in, in my view. Um, I want to see Bray Wyatt. I want to see yeah. this cool character. And I, I mean, I get that you kind of see, like, it, it kind of puts a little bit more emphasis on, on like this mask and stuff that he's wearing, but it just really takes away from everything for me and really makes it that much harder to watch it because uh, it, it honestly, it hurts. It hurts my eyes. It hurts my head to even watch it in that red light. And even talent wise, I'm trying to put myself in Daniel Bryan's shoes and, and you know, trying to, to work in a, in a ring where visibility is like, everything is red. It's got to throw off the talent as well. I would think. So that's another part of this that I'm just not really a fan of is I, I guarantee you it's throwing these guys off their game. Oh yeah, I'm sure that it is. I mean, that's uh, it's got to be hard for anybody. I mean, having a different light in there—that's something that you're not used to. You're used to bright lights being on you as you're working the match. So, I I've never been in a match where I've worked with a different different lighting system. Um, I have worked some where there's been almost like um, disco ball type of multicolored light happening yeah. uh, and even that really throws you off of your game when you're inside of that ring so I can only imagine how much different it would be when you're now used to there being full light on you and even coming just from the back through Gorilla you've got full light uh, Daniel Bryan his entrance is fully lit going down to that ring and then all of a sudden it just goes black and then red your eyes and your your brain really need to adjust to that and that's going to take a little bit of time to get used to so it, it it totally just changes the whole dynamic of everything when it comes to uh, both performers as well as the crowd themselves because they have to adjust and get used to it as well. Mm-hmm. Now, going from that to the next match, this is a bit of a strange one because given you know some of the the guys in this match, we had Team SmackDown versus Team Raw versus Team NXT. Um, just shy of thirty minutes on this one, Carl, but. Having seen this after the the War Games match, the the men's War Game match, I don't know if you got the same feeling on this, but this almost kind of felt like an afterthought after that. And again, this brings up the thing of doing these takeovers right before a big show. Survivor Series should be one of the big four events of the year. This match just it, to me it just it, it would have had more impact if that match wouldn't wouldn't have happened right directly before it. I I totally agree with you. Um... I mean, they all went out there and did what they could, I guess, is the best way that you can explain it. Um, Especially Team NXT, Mm -hmm. who who put themselves through literal hell the night before. And then to have to come and like ice everything up and get a little bit of rest (laughs) and try to uh, recuperate in time. Recuperation doesn't happen just overnight uh, after having a, a little bit of a sleep. That takes some time to recoup and uh, to to see, you know, like especially like Tommaso Ciampa, 
from the night before that bump that he took at the very end of things like, wow. And now, you know, like it just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I love the concept of including NXT, but I think that they should have maybe used other guys on the, on the NXT roster that really weren't in a match the night before. The guy to really save this whole thing for me was Keith Lee. Uh, like I had mentioned, and before we start talking about both of these shows, this this guy was the real kind of standout. Uh, for me, at least, uh, you know, he really made his presence felt. He really seems to be, from what I've been hearing, kind of behind the scenes, he's a, the, the kind of uh, worker that any company would love to have because he comes in, does what he's told to do, and doesn't bitch and complain about things. And he does it very, very well. What company wouldn't want a guy like that? Right? I know that if I had a professional wrestling company, I would definitely want somebody like that. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have a Keith Lee if I was uh, running a wrestling company. So I hope, I really, really hope that this man gets the attention and gets the push that he deserves because he does it so well. And unlike some people, ACH doesn't complain, you know, when things maybe necessarily don't quite go his way. Yes. So so good things for him. And um, I have high hopes that uh, he will do well. Now, going from that... To another, this was another a bit of a strange one here for me, Carl. This was a no-holds-barred match, apparently, for the WWE Championship that went exactly seven minutes. We had Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. This was another kind of Brock Lesnar, let's destroy the um, the opponent match. Uh, Rey Mysterio getting some stuff in. Um, I thought the, the pipe thing was a little odd, you know, for me, as a longtime wrestling fan, you could just tell that it wasn't what they were saying that it was. You know, would a casual fan be picking up on that? Who knows? But I, I, I definitely uh, saw you know that it's obviously not a, a metal pipe that he's beating him over the head and over the back with. But yeah, it's it, for me. It just it was another typical short Brock Lesnar match. Yeah, unfortunately, that's all it ended up being. Yeah. Um, just another another match. Um, we saw, um, Rey Mysterio's son mm-hmm. get involved as well. We saw a cool little spot with that was good. Yeah, I'll admit, yeah. And his son uh, doing a double six one nine to Brock Lesnar. That was cool to see. Um, but he, you know, him coming down with the towel and getting ready to throw the towel in, and you know, stuff like that. I mean. Okay, I get it. I understand. I know that they, you know, have had uh, have had Dominic in in like a little bit of the uh, build up and lead up to this. Uh, was it really needed? I yeah. maybe um, to kind of to kind of just go along with everything that's been happening. With I mean, that was the whole reason why Rey Mysterio wanted to uh, continue to do this is for his son Dominic, who you know convinced him not to take the mask off and stay in professional wrestling. And then Brock Lesnar's attacking Dominic, and then um, you know, like Rey Mysterio is now doing this for his kid and and stuff like that. So I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic taking a couple of bumps from Brock Lesnar in the ring as well. Uh, just ended up being what seemed like a typical Brock Lesnar squash. Now, another thing with this match, now this is probably just me uh, as a longtime wrestling fan picking up on this kind of stuff. But another issue I have with this match has to do with Rey Mysterio's attire in this match. Carl, they literally made him look like a clown. Uh, he basically looked like Doink the Clown in a luchador outfit. And as I'm watching Ray coming down the ramp to start that match, 
I could tell just by looking at his face that he was not digging the attire that he was wearing. You could tell that he wasn't, it wasn't sitting well with him. I don't think that he, I think that that was kind of pushed on him. There was no context for it. Let's send Ray out looking like a clown. Well, you know why they did that, right? Why did they do that? The number one rated R most gross profit of over a billion dollar movie that just came out. Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker. Hmm. I'm sure that that is slightly what they were trying to do and trying to capitalize a little bit on that. That's that's exactly where my mind went to when I saw this was they're trying to do this thing again with Rey Mysterio. Um, You know, put him into an attire that looks like the Joker is on the Joker movie that's come out and has grossed so much money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that that's the reason why. Um, yeah, I don't think that they should have, though. Like, definitely not. Let Rey Mysterio go out there and just be Rey Mysterio. Let him, don't give him all these stupid flashy costumes that, that you put him into. Mm-hmm. Let him, I, I want to see the original Rey Mysterio masks. I don't want to see all this other added crap onto it. Yeah. I think if you were going to do that thing, I think you had to provide some context. You got to maybe have Brock, you know, maybe make him look foolish or, you know, make him feel like the clown thing. And then, you know, that kind of thing can kind of work, but just completely out of context for myself, you know, I didn't really see a whole lot of the lead up to it. When it, when I saw him coming down the ramp, I'm like, what is this? Like, did he do something wrong? And is, is, is this somebody getting back at him or to, to try and make him look foolish? Or it just say it, it, it had a weird dynamic for me, at least in my, uh, you know, over thinking longtime wrestling fan brain. Yeah. And again, <laughs> I, I mean, it was even odd to me as well, but I think that's the only reason why just kind of looking at yeah. uh, the entertainment side and purpose of things. I think that's what it was. It was just walking Phoenix, the Joker movie. Let's do something with that. Yeah. And then we ended off with a triple threat match. We had the champions triple threat match for the women here. We had Shayna Baszler, versus Becky Lynch versus Bailey. And this is another one where honestly, at, at this point, uh, I won't say that I wasn't paying attention, but I had I'd kind of lost a little bit of interest. I, I mean, I was still kind of watching what was going on, but I felt exhausted by this point because it was a long show and they had Shayna Baszler getting the win. And then it was just, it was a weird dynamic at the end. And then we had basically Becky kind of destroying her at the end. And then she's the one going up uh, strong. But yet for the night, NXT had had one. Just it, for me, I think you had to have Shayna Baszler at, at the end of that kind of standing strong. But then you almost kind of flip-flopped it. And Becky's there like, yay, yay. But Raw actually lost the night quite handedly. So just it. it they th- definitely it did, did. It did yeah. feel right there. Yeah, so for those of you that are keeping tally along with us as we go through here and who we've said the winners are, we're looking the final Survivor Series results ended up being NXT 4, mm-hmm. SmackDown 2, and Raw 1. And then to have Becky Lynch go over... Now, I get it. Becky Lynch is the hottest thing since sliced bread right now. Mm-hmm. I get it. But that really took away, I think, from the whole NXT win. And especially if this entire thing was done, which I've heard rumblings of, that it was done to promote the NXT brand and get more 
Raiders over to NXT. You should have had it as much as I am not a Shayna Baszler fan at all. You should have had Shayna Baszler on top, the top of the ramp, even have her take the belt and uh, take her belt and run up to the top of the ramp and just stay up there. Uh, let, uh, you know, Raw and SmackDown fight it out afterwards, but then you bring it back to Shayna Baszler with her music playing to end off the night. Yeah, like I, like I said, uh, there's definitely a lot of good. Just it, it feels like the WWE on their, you know, they do such a good job with uh, these takeover shows. And then it just feels like once they get to, to you know, when it gets to one of these bigger shows, it, it's it's almost like they run out of creative steam. Uh, at, least, at least that's the impression that I get. Me too. Yeah. So overall, a good show. And it wasn't anything completely out of this world. You know, Survivor Series definitely isn't uh, what it used to be. It is nice to see the, the traditional matches coming back. But when you do something like War Games the night before, it just say completely overshadows it. So they, yeah. they might want to look at maybe kind of separating that a little bit uh, to kind of help each other out there. Definitely. Now, before we go to our match of the week segment, before we go to our showstopper, just uh, back briefly, you had mentioned a company, Wendy's. And with their social media, I just wanted to make reference uh, to that. Whoever runs Wendy's social media is obviously a wrestling fan and is very, very clever what they do. I just want to give Wendy's props for uh, uh, kind of uh, doing some really, <laughs> always some fun stuff when it comes to their social media and uh, and interacting with wrestling fans. Definitely. To, to go along with that, if you are not following them on social media, go and find them on you know their Facebook or, yeah. or Twitter or whatever. Uh, but they're always somebody. Some I don't know who it is, but somebody is always taking like their packets of uh, of sauce <laughs> and drawing out different things. Yeah. Not not always professional wrestling. They they do like plethora of different things. Actors, you know, sports stars, uh, you know, musicians, all of these different things, different logos. The person who does this has some talent, and I'm yeah. glad that uh, Wendy's is kind of showcasing that. Uh, most recently, I think they uh, they did John Moxley. Yeah. Um, was was one of their latest for professional wrestling and just so well done. Go and find Wendy's on any of their social media and uh, just Google it. You'll be able to find it. Um, yeah, just amazing stuff. So I'm glad you brought that up. Good yeah. point. Okay, before we do our showstopper, let's do match of the week segment. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, we possibly might have the same uh, uh, match this week, but I'll let you go first and we'll see what happens. Okay, mine is coming from War Games. I am looking at the actual War Games match, Team Ciampa versus uh, uh, the Undisputed Era. Um, just all in all, uh, all guys that I enjoy watching. Um, I know that I'm going to get some flack for this, but, uh, you know, I was okay with uh, Dijakovic being in that match. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, just all around, like, so happy with the entire thing that happened there. Bell to bell, the thing was just amazing, and I was I was happy with it. Yeah, normally in this scenario here, I would pick something different so that we could have different picks. But for me, you know, this week, Carl, I'm going to have to agree with you. For me, that was my match of the week, the, the man's war games match. They did uh, so much good stuff in that match that uh, when I put up against everything else from I've been seeing this last week, I just, I don't think there's anything that comes close. No, I would have to agree. There definitely is not. Um, even though, you know, like Survivor Series had some good stuff going on it as well. Yep. 
Yeah, I just think that this one uh, just overshadows all of it. Uh, when I think yeah. about the entire weekend of uh, professional wrestling for uh, everything, uh, encompassing all the companies that we talk about, this one just stands right out for me. In a very, very positive way with a lot of the negativity going on with some of these other companies, it's nice to see a very big positive like this. So I just want to make mention that, yeah, that, that, that was for me for this last week, that was the coolest thing that I think I've watched wrestling-wise. Yeah, me too. All right, Carl, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to come back with our showstopper segment. And this will be an interesting conversation, I think. And all I will say is this has to do with referees. So we'll be right back. This week's episode is brought to you by Collar and Elbow. Visit CollarNebelBrand.com where you can get an additional 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, including this week's featured item, the Mirror Pullover Hoodie. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafello back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, at that pivotal part of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at our show stopper segment. Yeah, Carl, before I get to the bulk of this, just want to explain how this came about because it's very interesting. We were watching some AEW. You got to watch it when it actually happened. I caught it after the fact. And you had said, you you need to watch this last match, and then I have a question to ask you. So I was like, okay. I got a little impatient. I was like, dude, just ask me the question. And you're like, no, 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 you have to watch the match. I was like, okay, I watched the match. And you put up the question that was there anything – kind of unusual that stood out in the foreground or in the background. And I didn't really catch on to it until you asked me the question or you kind of said kind of what was going on. And you said the referee. And I was like, okay. And I actually kind of went back and watched kind of later. And I kind of got what you said there. He was a very overactive kind of referee, a lot kind of going on, almost kind of a little too over the top. A referee is actually a very integral part of a wrestling match for those who maybe are just kind of casual fans or uh, you know, don't watch a lot of professional wrestling if you're fairly new to it the referee can actually kind of make or break a match in a lot of different ways they definitely can um without the referee who would you have there to keep order in the match exactly. who would you have there to make the pin who would you have there to do the count out right who would you have there to kind of oversee everything that happens in any other professional sport? Um, you know, hockey, football, basketball, boxing, MMA, they all have a referee that's in there. So a referee is definitely a very pivotal part of the matchup. Um, but they're not the focal point. No. Of the match and uh, that's kind of where I was going when Big Joe had uh, mentioned that I had talked to him and asked him a question and uh, wouldn't ask him until he watched the match that is the reason why because this is something that I've been seeing uh, quite frequently lately and it's it's something that that kind of irks me a little bit and I wanted to see if it was just me or if anyone else kind of picked up on it so um, kind of Joe picked up on it he did see it um, and he did kind of kind of get where I was going with it. Yep. Yeah, like they they they're not the focal point. They're a part of it, but not the focal point. We've even gone as far, and I believe it was Game Changer Wrestling which did this. And I I know, I know we mentioned on the show. I don't know if you remember Carl, where there was a match, quote unquote match, done with just a referee in the ring, 
and pretending like there are like two invisible wrestlers going at it. You know, we've gotten to the point where referees were really this kind of authority figure and then kind of over time, you know, referees kind of occasionally would get physically involved and then that seems to have kind of ramped up over time. And, and I get it. You want somebody to kind of occasionally react to kind of accentuate kind of what's going on. But when it does start to creep into the point where they stand out too much, then it gets to be it's, – it's definitely distracting from what's going on. It's, it definitely is. Um, yeah, it's just – I don't know. Like, I really don't know. This is just, for me, something that it honestly uh, takes away from what I'm actually watching. It's uh, – I don't know. It's just so hard because, yeah, it, it definitely is taking away from everything. It's just so over the top that yeah. I'm just not happy with it at all. And for those of you that, that, that are wondering, um, go back and watch the last um, main event match of AEW. Um, the, the, the guy literally, the referee literally, like, if somebody gets body slammed, he's jumping up and throwing his arms up into the air. And, um, you know, or, or if somebody gets, you know, suplexed, he's like throwing his hands up on onto his head and, yeah. and like holding his head, like, Oh my God. And then every time that he goes down for a pin, he's literally, literally people jumping up into the air with his arms out and his legs out like he's a starfish and then landing down in like almost like a splits uh, type of situation on the ring and then just really over the top when he's coming down with everything. Dude, if you want to be a performer, (laughs) get in the ring and be a performer. But you are a referee. I understand that we have the need for a referee, but when you're taking away from a main event match, you're way over the top and it's too much. (laughs) So something needs to change with that. Please, please, those that are running and working with the referees in AEW and any other company, teach your referees that they are not the focal point. If they want to be the focal point, they need to put in the time and the effort and the blood and the sweat and the tears and train to be a wrestler. It, it, it almost kind of feels like performance art sometimes. Like with some of these guys, like that one that you're mentioning, like almost like every time that a referee, they, they get punched, it'd be like, oh. they like react to like every single motion and every movement and every, every punch, every kick, every slam, every ring. You, do, you don't need to react to everything that's going on because it just, it's just, it, it, I agree. It does get distracting as hell when they do it too much. Like it just, it feels like, like, is this guy having like a seizure? It's like herky jerky. It's like, Oh, like it, it gets to be a little too much. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. There are some that do it well. They're, they're a little bit more subtle with it, but when it's like, mm, 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 like that, just, Oh, it's too much. It definitely is. Now I'm hoping <laughs> that somebody in the professional wrestling world uh, is listening to this and somebody within AEW might listen to to this, please give us John Moxley versus Darby Allen again Mm -hmm. with a different referee. Please, because I want to watch and enjoy that phenomenal match that I know can happen without having it being taken away from and distracted by the referee.
yeah, throw Paul Turner or even um, what's his name in there, or Earl Hebner. Throw do with those two guys in it. I think you have. I don't think you have a completely different match, but then you just you don't have the the herky jerky referee. Yeah, I agree. All right, Carl. I think that about wraps it up uh, for this week's show. I, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of breaking news this time, which which is good because you know it always seems to kind of happen. The only thing. A little bit more was, uh, strangely enough, with that whole Corey Graves, um, Marmar and all thing, a weird uh, person kind of came out in kind of def- in defense of uh, of Moral and all in this. It was Frank Shamrock, who doesn't have anything to do with professional wrestling. Uh, he's a former MMA fighter and uh, did some commentary for Strike Force and whatnot. And he basically said, social media has made too many of you comfortable with disrespecting people and not getting punched in the mouth for it. And that was aimed directly at Corey Graves. And I will say, <laughs> I got to agree with him on that one. Me too. Yeah. Okay, dude. I think that's about it. So we'll wrap it up for this week and we'll see you guys on the next one. Have a nice day. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have content, especially led up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at HittingTheMarks.com. Run. Right.